0: Our scripture reading today is again from the book of Genesis, reading from Genesis chapter 41, verses 37 through 52. This is the word of the Lord. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt, removing his signet ring from his hand, Pharaoh put it on Joseph's hand. He arrayed him with garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in the chariot of his second in command, and they cried out in front of him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephantha paneah and he gave him Aseneth, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, as his wife. Thus Joseph gained authority over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt, During the seven plenteous years, the earth produced abundantly. He gathered up all the food of the seven years when there was plenty in the land of Egypt and stored up food in the cities. He stored up in every city the food from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, Joseph had two sons, whom Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. And the second he named Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So you find yourself in a season of disillusionment. Things have not turned out the way that you had hoped. Maybe the job is not going as well as you had thought. Maybe the cancer has returned. Maybe you feel like the country is going in a direction that you never imagined possible. Maybe because of all the complications of the last couple years, some relationships in your life are fractured. Maybe you feel that you've gone through some kind of trauma and you don't really know what to do, you don't really know how to trust anybody anymore. Or maybe just simply you feel like you've been treated unfairly. Or maybe someone's been rude to you or very unkind. Those are all examples of disillusionment. Basically, disillusionment is things did not turn out the way that you had hoped or the way that you had expected. Have you ever experienced disillusionment before? Yeah, right? And most people find themselves in some form of disillusionment right now because of how dramatically things have changed over the last couple of years. So disillusionment is always a part of life. It's always a part of life because we live in a fallen world. But right now, it's, it's been so exacerbated because of the things that have changed and have happened. So the question becomes, what do you do now? What do you do? How do you respond? How do you move forward? Those are the questions that determine the outcomes of our lives, really. What do we do when things don't turn out the way that we had hoped? So we talked a lot last week about Joseph experiencing some pretty intense disillusionment at the hands of his brothers. I mean, really intense feelings of betrayal and hatred towards towards Joseph. And things started to get better, if you remember, because you remember because he kept what? Do you remember? He kept showing up, like he was sold into slavery twice. And he ends up in this home and uh, he has a master and he kept doing the small things that were asked of him, kept doing them really well. And his master could see that the Lord was with him, could see that the Lord was with him. And that made all the difference for Joseph. He kept showing up to do the little things that were asked of him and he grew in responsibility. But then more disillusionment. He's betrayed by his master's wife who tries to seduce him and he he, he winds up in prison when are things going to get better? He must have been wondering. That's more disillusionment. So now, now what is Joseph going to do? We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps if we face disillusionment once. But what do we do when a similar thing happens again and we find ourselves saying, why God is this happening to me? What do we do then? What would Joseph do now? Well, we see that uh, Joseph in the face of more disillusionment, he was, he was committed to do what was asked of him within the prison. And he starts to do a really peculiar thing. Rather than just, you know, serving in all these different ways and maybe meaningless ways that you might find in the prison. You know, I'll sweep a little bit or <laughs> I'll bring a blanket to somebody. or I don't know, whatever they do in prisons. never been in one. <laughs> he starts to do a really partic- uh, peculiar thing. He starts to interpret dreams for two officials in the prison he starts to interpret their dreams now remember joseph sharing his dreams you might want to go back and read this on your own later in chapter 37 joseph sharing his dreams interpreted sharing the interpretations of some dreams that he had is what fed the hatred that he received from his brothers joseph said that he would have great rule and power And he just shared it with his brothers like, guess what? I had this really amazing dream. And, you know, can you imagine how vulnerable he must have felt? I had this awesome dream where I'm like in charge of everything and people are bowing before me and everything. And his brothers rather than saying, wow, that's awesome. I wonder what God's going to do. They hate him for it. They're so jealous and threatened by the way that God is working in Joseph's life. And it's one of the things that contributed to them doing the horrific things that they did to their brother. But friends, one thing is clear about Joseph. This was his gift. This was his gift of interpreting dreams given to him by God to be used for God's purposes and God's glory. This gift was a big part of who Joseph was as a person. So to share it with others would feel really vulnerable. Like, this is, I'm sharing a part of me. It's a risky thing to do. It's uh, also very generous, but not really sure how others are going to respond. And so far, the biggest reason that Joseph found himself in prison, experiencing misery and disillusionment, was because of sharing this very personal gift. So let's pause for a second. How generous towards others do you feel when you feel like you've been hurt by them? It's just an honest question. How generous do you feel towards those same people? (laughs) Or if you're experiencing overwhelm and disillusionment, how willing are you to then be vulnerable with somebody else? To share something that's super important to you? It's human nature to withdraw to self-protect, to say, uh, I'm a little nervous how this is going to go. Or maybe just scale back on giving that vulnerable part of you, like that really caring part, like that inner child part that, you, that we all have within us that comes forward with compassion and generosity and grace and enthusiasm and joy. It's really easy to just scale back when we feel hurt, or when we feel overwhelmed, or we feel like life is too much to say, eh, uh, I'm going to just save that part for sharing with my immediate family. It's easy to scale back that vulnerable part of ourselves that we call our gift, where we really put ourselves out there, and at best, we feel taken for granted, or at worst, maybe rejected, or treated unfairly. So there's this phenomenon happening, maybe you've heard of it, I hit me out of nowhere a few weeks ago. Have you ever heard of this phenomenon called quiet quitting? Has anybody heard of it? No? Randy's shaking his head. Yeah, I think, Natalie has. Randy, I think we talked about it in Bible study. That's how you heard about it. I couldn't believe this, okay? Uh, Quiet quitting is basically, I didn't do a lot of research on this, okay, but it's basically doing only the bare minimum that's asked of you. It's just like, well, I'm going to do just the little things. I'm going to sweep in the prison. I'm going to bring a blanket to someone when asked, but I'm never going to share my dream. I'm never going to share this gift that I have. That's what the quiet quitting sounds like to me. It's just saying, I'm going to do the bare minimum of what's asked of me. I'm going to show up in church. This is just an example, okay? I'm not, <laughs> it's not real. I'm going to show up in church, but I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to share that piece of my heart that you know I'm really actually scared of other people taking advantage of or hurting. I'm not going to share that part. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do just the bare minimum of what's asked for me. I'm I'm there. I'm there for 8 hours but not putting my heart in it. No way I did that. I was taken for granted. I was mistreated. I wasn't given the raise that I thought I should have gotten. Maybe I was fired. I'm not going to give my heart to the next thing that I'm a part of. Maybe you don't relate to any of these examples, but can you relate to this human part of us? This human part of us that when we feel a little bit wounded, we just pull back. And it's really hard then to take that step forward in vulnerability. I don't know. I experience that regularly. Friends, when we look to Joseph in this story, He could have been really justified in quiet quitting. I wouldn't have blamed him. Okay, I'm not sharing this gift anymore. He says, I am done sharing this gift. Too risky, too much rejection, too much pain, too much heartache, not doing it. And it was especially risky to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. I mean, that's where he ends up. He's interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. It seems to me that Joseph had a clear understanding that his gift wasn't just his. It was also God's. It was given to him by God. And Joseph trusted God to work through the sharing of his gift within his disillusionment. So often we say we need to escape our pain. We need to escape our misery. And then we'll be generous. Then we'll give our best self. Then we'll be vulnerable. Then we'll be honest. Then we'll be joyful. I' know that's not the biblical witness that God delivers us within our misery. Within our pain, within our suffering, within the hardship is when we experience the grace of God. Joseph said earlier when he was approached by a couple prisoners, "They have these weird dreams and they say, "I don't know what to make of this." And Joseph volunteers to share his gift. He doesn't know how they're going to respond. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He volunteers to share his gift, and he says this, Do not interpretations belong to God? Do not these interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Bring it on, he says. I've got the gift, and I'm willing to share it. I don't know what's going to happen. It feels vulnerable, but I'm going to share this gift. So Joseph's willingness to keep trusting God and to keep sharing his gift led to this moment with Pharaoh. Did you catch the significance of this moment? So, when Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams, uh, Pharaoh is relieved. He's relieved by the interpretation, and Joseph gives him some advice about store up all these grains because a famine is coming. But even more importantly, Pharaoh senses the Spirit of God within Joseph, just like his master, just like before. His master, we read, we read last week, his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And again, uh, Pharaoh saw that the Lord was with Joseph. So in both cases, we see that Joseph's commitment to first showing up, doing the little things that are asked of him regularly, and sharing his gift, led to his master and Pharaoh seeing and sensing that God was with him. And God, being with Joseph, is what made all the difference for him. I mean, just think of the significance of what Joseph experienced in this text. I'm not going to read back all the, all the specifics, but Joseph received abundance beyond his wildest dreams. Power and influence way beyond what he, and he even had the dream, right? Way beyond what he ever could have imagined. Blessings beyond anything conceivable. But I think what Joseph was more encouraged by was not the fact that now he had all this stuff. Now he had a really important job. Now he had all kinds of influence that he just felt so powerful in his life. I don't think Joseph cared about any of that. Listen to what Joseph says in this really uh, critical moment, or this really impactful moment. Of his children being born. You know, it's kind of one of those moments where you see with clarity the things that really matter in life. If you had a moment like that, maybe it's not when your children were born, but you just, those big time moments in life where you can see, this is all that really matters, you know? And God is here, I can just feel it, and this is all that really matters. So this is Joseph in this moment of blessing beyond his wildest imagination. He could have said, I'm so glad for all this stuff for all this wealth, for all this power and influence. But no, he says this. He names his first child uh, Manasseh and says, for God has made me forget all of my hardship. And he does say, okay, now things are better. But he says, God has made me forget. God has done this to me. God is responsible. Not me. Not my, you know, just hard work ethic and Just commitment to doing what's right. God working through me. That's what made the difference. And the second one is even more powerful. He named his second child Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes. For God has made me... A second time he repeats that. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes, which you could translate as misery. So often we want to run from our misery. We want to hide from our misfortunes and say, one day it will get better. I hope somebody else does something about it. But what we see with Joseph is he says, just by showing up, by continuing to be vulnerable, by continuing to share my gift, God has made me fruitful. To Joseph, what was most important for him was the evidence of God's faithfulness. The evidence of God's presence and the fruit that he had experienced was exactly that evidence of God's presence and faithfulness. And maybe even more importantly, the word fruit that he uses here, fruitful, was actually used by his father Jacob because God came to Jacob and said, I'm going to make you and your descendants fruitful. So in a way, you could argue that Joseph is saying, this is the fulfillment of the promise made to my father that he told me all about before I was treated so unfairly. God is indeed faithful. God has made good on his word that he promised to my dad. All my trusting in him all this time, even through 20 years of hardship, has been worth it. But you see, friends, that wouldn't have been possible if Joseph would have said, "God, I've just been treated so poorly. I think other people should just take care of this. I think other people should step up to, to share their gift. Not me. I don't want to do that. Someone else can interpret that dream. Friends, this is one of those sermons that I've had to really soak into myself. So, don't mistake my passion for uh, scolding of you. It's, it's coming right to me too today. But it sounds a lot like what John, what Jesus says in chapter 15 as well, that when we show up, when we share our gift, that we will be fruitful. Jesus says in chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 4, "...abide in Me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in Me. I am the vine. You are the branches." Those who abide in Me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from Me, you can do nothing. Friends, Joseph was encouraged by the fruit because he shared his gift. And today, I encourage you to keep sharing your gift. I'm begging you, keep sharing your gift. That part of you that makes you feel alive, that part of you that when you share it, you feel a lot vulnerable, not just a little bit vulnerable, but a lot vulnerable. Keep showing up and keep sharing your gift. Sharing your gift over time is the way that we experience the presence and the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. If we withhold our gift, we withhold the, the possibilities that God, of what God can do through us. If we quiet quit, Or if we go part way, then we restrict what God can do within us. It's only logical, right? If I choose to stay home and watch Netflix instead of serving or coming to worship, can I really expect God to show up in that moment and wow my socks off? You know, it's only logical what I'm saying. Sharing our gift leads to fruitfulness, which becomes to us the evidence of God's presence and God's faithfulness to us. So maybe you're thinking of a particular gift. Maybe this has uh, proven to be true in your life, that you have kind of scaled back in some way or another. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> it's, that's kind of funny to say that. <laughs> because the way that this sermon has spoken to me is me being honest. Every time that I'm honest, I say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to show up and read my sermon, not say anything vulnerable, not take any risk, not ever feel like, oh no, what are people going to think of me now? And then God tells me, no, that's your gift, man. (laughs) I say, well, I don't don't really like it. (laughs) It does not feel good to share it. And I can learn to maybe share that gift in a little bit softer way. Right? (laughs) I can use how to, uh, I can learn how to use that powerful gift that God has given me in a way that will connect in a better way to your heart. But I don't want to stop what God is going to do here in this space because of my fear of being hurt or fear. This is the, the biggest thing for me is the fear of being rejected. If I share something in a really passionate way or something that I feel is really near and dear to my heart, and you fall asleep or have a grumpy look on your face. (laughs) Like, that's really hard. Me, I'd like to take a step back from that. But the biblical witness, friends, is that when we share our gift, we're the ones who are blessed. Because then we see the fruit that comes in oftentimes unexpected ways. And we say, God, who am I to stand in your way? Who am I to say no to the call that you've placed on my life? So maybe you're thinking of a particular gift. Maybe you're not. You might be saying, "Uh, well, I don't really know what my gift is anymore. And it's true. Gifts change over time, right? But You can offer the gift of service. You can offer the gift of talents. You can just offer the gift of your presence, of being here. You can always offer the gift of heartfelt prayer, heartfelt spirit-led generosity and compassion and encouragement. I just heard a story of an elderly couple that was encouraging their neighbor who was going off to serve a church way out in Montana. They stay home a lot, but they were able to find a way to share their heart with somebody else, to share their gift. So maybe you can think of a particular gift, but maybe you can't. So I would say this is maybe the most important part of the whole sermon. Are you listening? Are you ready? I'm going to quote a really powerful source. It's called the movie Encanto. (laughs) It's a a Disney movie. So the movie is about uh, different gifts that everybody has. And at the end of the movie, there's a song that says, the real gift is you. All of you, all of you, not some gift, it's you. You coming here, you opening your heart, most importantly to God and to one another. That's the gift that each of us can give so long as we're breathing, so long as we're able to be here, or even if we're not able to be here. The real gift is you. So please, as your pastor, I'm begging you, Share your gift. Share yourself. Bring the very best that you can for God and for one another. And if you, if you do that, we will experience the fruitfulness of God. We will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit as we open ourselves to one another. So I'm praying that God would continue to give us grace. Continue to give us courage. Courage. To keep showing up, to keep sharing our gifts. Amen. Let's take uh